Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of the Mostly NBA podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Higgins, coming off a great summer as I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and the Cavaliers are finally world champions. That's awesome. Uh, I'm another one of your hosts, Jacob Farrell. I'm coming off a great summer, too, because I'm an Orlando Magic fan, and I uh, didn't have to be disappointed about anything, so, yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Matt LaVey, another one of your hosts, and I am coming off of a horrible summer as a Miami Heat fan as Dwayne Wade is no longer in South Beach. I second that, Matt. I'm Cam Kutsky. I'm the last host of this show, and yeah, Heat lost a good man in D-Wade. It was a definitely a varied summer for all of us. Um, so before we start to get into stuff, I kind of wanted to go over the structure of the show, sort of what to expect. This first one's going to be um, a little different than the rest of them since we're not really into the season yet. We're just going to go over some of the big stories of the summer, kind of get into our uh, contenders, surprise teams, maybe bring up some MVP discussion. But as this is the mostly NBA podcast, there's got to be something other than NBA. So we're going to take a little break in each of these episodes to go over big stories around the sports world. So we're going to start from the big stories of the summer, and I think no better place to start than the NBA Finals, uh, a historic seven-game matchup between the uh, 73-win Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers, who seem to be running out of time, um, down 3-1, they were able to come back. Uh, it was really quite a series to watch. Um, I can't be unbiased about it, coming from Cleveland. Uh, best sports series I've ever seen. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it just needs to be said for the record so it's never forgotten. Uh, the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead in the 2016 NBA Finals. Just save that soundbite so it's here forever. Now, did First they time ever, right? <laughs> did they have yeah. the unanimous MVP? They did, in fact, have the unanimous MVP, uh, Stephen Curry, and uh, they lost 3-1. Yeah, again, it really was a fantastic series, and I've heard a lot even from uh, the unbiased fans who didn't really have a dog in the fight. It was kind of, you know, one of those classic seven-game, um, you know, not really a David and Goliath because you can't really be a David when you've got LeBron James on your team, but, you know, a lot of people, me included as a Cleveland fan, kind of didn't see how the Cavs were going to, you know, get out of this hole they were in, not just this season, but in the seasons going forward. It kind of looked like, you know, it was year two. It wasn't really working out. Um, Golden State... Um, was really getting the best of the Cavs each year. So it didn't really look like there was going to be much competition for them, um, especially with this fully healthy Cavs squad with a better bench, um, no injuries. You know, they go down 3-1, it kind of looks hopeless, but they were able to pull it out, and uh, it definitely makes the summer a lot more interesting. Um, a lot of talk about what the Warriors are going to do coming off that 73-win season and not getting the ring. Um, they obviously addressed that in the summer, but before we get to that, I wanted to get some of uh, your opinions on the magnitude of the series and how you think um, it ended up finishing. Yeah, it was an incredible series, to be honest with you, as you know, a Miami Heat fan. I didn't particularly have a dog in the fight, but I mean, just, man, to overcome a 3-1 deficit like that, they had absolutely no life, down 3-1. Um, just obviously, the Draymond Green uh, incident, you know, being suspended for Game 5 was a huge help to them. They took advantage of it, brought it back to Cleveland Game 6, got it done. And um, took care of business out in Oakland for Game 7. And Kyrie, with just the dagger shot of a lifetime, my goodness. And uh, they brought it back. First championship since, what, Mike, 64 for the 64. city? Gosh, what a drought. But it's good to be over. <laughs> All right. I personally wasn't rooting for the Cavs. Being a Heat fan, I kind of want to see LeBron fail every year in <laughs> Cleveland. I don't know about you, Matt. I love LeBron. I, I mean, I love honest. him too. He's a great athlete. He's the best that ever played yeah. basketball when it's all said and done, probably. But I would have liked to have seen 
Golden State win. I want to take that comment there. The best to ever play basketball when no, it's all said and done. Oh, you yeah. think no, so? That's controversial. I'll get on that. Oh. Okay, no, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's definitely, you know, arguably. It's definitely that's... a possibility. I don't know if it's been proven yet, but he How definitely is he has now? some like, time. What, 31? Yeah, he's 31 now. 31? Right, right now, it's obvious. So, what, he he's got to... six good years left in him? Seven? Mm, I'd, I'd go more four or five. Uh, four or five? Good, oh, good years. Good, good years, yeah. He'll be around for, for you know. Six or seven. Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, I think at the end of his career. Boy, man. Oh, I've got faith in him. Right now, you know, he's 31, though. If he were to retire right now, obviously, it would be like, oh, what could have been? But at the end of the road, you know, you never know what's going to happen over these next few years with this Golden State. Cleveland sort of rivalry, changing of the guard from the old uh, Spurs and Heat. So I think definitely by the end of, this, end of his career, it'll be, you know, up in the air. It'll be argued a lot. It's already talked about a lot. Oh, has, is LeBron going to have a chance to catch Jordan? That kind of deal. And I think it'll come down to opinion. Yeah, I think when it's all said and done, I mean, LeBron is definitely, in my opinion, going to be a top two. I don't know if he'll be able to quite surpass the ghost of Jordan. We hear a lot of people talk about that over the summer, and LeBron even mentioned that in some comments about, you know, mm-hmm. that's a motivating factor for him is chasing that ghost uh, from Chicago. So I think when it's all said and done, he'll definitely be top two. I just don't know if, uh, you know, the magnitude, just how, how great Michael Jordan was, if, if he'll ever be able to quite surpass that, even though I think he could, um, in my opinion, but I just still, you know... It's Michael Jordan. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, call into question, um, at least for LeBron so far, his record in the finals. You know, Jordan was, what, 6-0? and um, Yeah, he's perfect, yeah. Undefeated. Yeah, and the majority of, well, I, I don't know if it was the majority. I think half of them, though, um, came in the later stages of Jordan's career. I think now at age 31, they both have the same amount of rings. They do. That's correct, um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what LeBron does, but, you know, he does have... The finals losses under his belt. Um, he's had a very different career. He's played a lot more playoff minutes than Jordan um, had at this point in his career. Um, Plus, Jordan stayed on one team. He got true. all the rings for one team, yeah. Well, he he was on the Wizards at one point, but he got all the rings oh, for one yeah, team. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about that. <laughs> Mike, will LeBron retire as a Cavalier? I would hope so at this point. I, I mean, think I, I think honestly, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, you, you saw you saw what he went through, you know, in both of these changes, he, intense media scrutiny. You got to think that he's, you know, tired of that whole, you know, changing of scenery and all the new questions and everything. So um, I think that if his plan was to come back to Cleveland anyway, as he said in his letter, that at some point he said he imagined himself always coming home to Cleveland. He went home a lot earlier than a lot of people might have expected. But I yeah. think at this point, now that he's now that he's back in Cleveland, I don't really see him going anywhere else. Yeah, honestly, if I can bring it back to the finals, um, you definitely saw that. Uh, in his reaction post-game, uh, just the heart and the love he has for um, the city and the state that he's from. Uh, you know, he, al- he always says, I'm just a kid from Akron. So he obviously, he wears that uh, badge of pride wherever he goes, um, being an Ohio native and everything. So uh, I think it's very unlikely that he leaves again or goes somewhere else. I think he's sticking to Cleveland for the remainder of his uh, NBA career. Yeah, and I think he's comfortable there. I mean, you know, his kids now, especially, they're, when, when he first moved from Cleveland to Miami, they were so young. And, you know, recently, they were still, what, oldest was in, like, I think, what, 10, fourth grade-ish when they moved back to Cleveland. You know, his kids are starting to grow up, and they're, they're settling down in Ohio. And, you know, it seems like, a you know, a logical move. But, you know, a lot of people thought it was logical to go to Miami and stay there, too. So, mm-hmm. see what happens. I, I would assume that he's going to. I, def- I definitely think he'll stay out. I mean, well, his mission the whole time is to bring that championship back to Cleveland, where he's from. Yeah, and that makes it really interesting now going forward. He's gotten that done. Now he's gotten it, yeah. So either so he's going to go off because he's got nothing else to I do, know, right? or he's going to sit back and 
enjoy the rest of his no, career, which gotta, I wouldn't care. He's got to defend his kingdom. He's got to defend the kingdom. I think, though, that that's just got to be a huge just, you know, obviously there was so much pressure for this Cavs team last year. You know, would they be able to defeat the Warriors? And once they finally did that, once they finally brought that championship, you got to feel that just heading into this season, there's just like a big, you know, lift of freedom heading into. You don't have that weight on you anymore. Absolutely. I I totally feel that coming into the season as compared to last year. Um, Like you said, last year, all the talk was Cavs, Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, like pretty much just everywhere you looked it was Cavs Warriors and this year you don't really see that that much because they're well they're equalized now of course in a uh, uh, titles so well at least recent titles the uh, tension isn't as built up as it was last season and it feels great <laughs> <laughs> the weight off your shoulders yeah I mean it'll just be interesting to see what they're going to do now I mean Ty Lu will have a full season um, with this team Channing Fry guys like that are coming back you know, mid-season acquisitions, but um, assuming that they have most of their uh, most of their starters back, or all their starters back from last year and a lot of the bench, um, you'd think that it would be a lot more of a comfortable season. Um, even if scrutiny does fall on them, you know, you got to think that they don't really they don't really care for that <laughs> anymore. Um, if it did get to them before, it's because they hadn't proven that they could be that championship team, and now they really don't have too much left to prove other than that they can keep a chip on their shoulder um, to compete going forward. But I think what really changed the scenery of the summer you know it went from it kind of went from celebrating the Cavs across the NBA like celebrating you know the fact that LeBron could finally get it done and there was a lot less pressure to just having this hammer dropped on us that Kevin Durant top free agent in the league was going to Golden State the top team in the league which hasn't really happened before um and since then it's kind of been all right well now will the Cavs be able to do it against this team or will the Warriors win every single game this season including sweeping through the playoffs like (laughs) You know, what's going to happen to OKC now? So I kind of want to get your opinions on that, like what you think the Durant to the Warriors kind of does to the face of the NBA. Yeah, honestly, um, like you said, when that news uh, got announced, it was just a bombshell. Like anything that was being talked about before, it was immediately just swallowed up by this wave of, oh my gosh, KD's going to the Warriors. He's just chasing a ring. He's not loyal. And like at the beginning, there was a ton of KD uh, hate, and there still is a ton of KD hate um, because... People were just mad that he left the city that started him. Um, And it does seem like he's chasing a ring, going to the Warriors, going to the team that beat him and took the Western Conference from him and his uh, Thunder last year. It's definitely interesting. I I don't really hate KD that much. Um, I think he's an incredible player. I think he's an awesome player. So I can't really give too much hate heat to him. Of course, you know, it is a little... Moving to the arguably the best team in the nation as one of, you know, the top free agents in the nation. I mean, people have complained like this is really the first major instance of this happening where you have two of the top three players in the league on the same team. Right. Because if, if we're going to say Steph Curry, LeBron James and KD are the top three, it's it's kind of unprecedented. And I think a lot of people are just upset to see a super team, I guess you could say, assemble uh, in such a way. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly the way you put it. I mean, a super team. My goodness, the Golden State Warriors, what, coming off last year, breaking, you know, the NBC, NBC, NBA record for uh, <laughs> regular season wins. I mean, you do that, you go all the way to the finals again. I mean, you arguably should have won the finals, but I mean, just they're already so stacked. And to add KD to their team, uh, just incredible. And um, just what I felt was just so intriguing to me was just the way 
you know, the OKC lost that series up 3-1 to and to just um, really kind of give it away with crucial turnovers in the last few games and just, you know, questionable decisions, you know, from Durant and Westbrook both. But it's just the way that Oklahoma City lost and to see Kevin Durant go there, you know, just a few weeks after that was just, uh, I think, what really caught most people off guard. That's what caught me off guard. Durant faced, I mean, Durant had probably the most pressure and scrutiny on him through the end of the season and through the entire summer because, you know, you go up from up 3-1 and people are thinking, gosh, this Thunder team that, you know, it took a while for them to get it together in the season, you know, they're going to knock off, they're going to knock off the Warriors and they looked like the strongest team in the NBA. Like, I certainly, I heard from a lot of people who, you know, were texting me, oh man, like, you're going to lose to OKC now, like, you're going (laughs) to be in the finals losing to OKC and... You know, they had that 3-1 lead, and like you said, just turnovers. And I think the pressure got to them at the end of that series. because They fell apart, yeah. Because Golden State, you know, Golden State has to win that game five at home to make it 3-2. So oh, yeah. I don't think anybody was surprised by that. But even before that game five, as people were thinking, all right, Golden State's going to win game five. It's going to be all on Oklahoma City to win game six at home. And that became big-time pressure for Oklahoma City, who had never faced this kind of opponent on their way to the finals you know it they beat a very good Spurs team in 2012 but that wasn't the same caliber of opponent that Golden State was that you know they can hit four shots in a row turn the game around and really turn the series around um which they did Clay Thompson went off for I believe 11 threes that game oh he had he a just, ridiculous game six. he just he just ended it he I mean single-handedly took control of that game I think Clay Thompson did a lot for the Warriors oh yeah for uh, sure and many a game but yeah and to be fair Oklahoma City didn't die. They did come into Game 7 strong, and you know it was a very tough game, but it's so incredibly hard to win a big game in Oakland. Yeah, um, Oracle, just the the fans there are just absolutely nuts. You can't hear anything. It's just a, one of, obviously, you know, the most difficult place to play in the NBA by far. Yeah, so I think... Hey, I, uh, I know a team that did it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Kyrie knows all about this. Yeah, and it, it was hard. It was hard. But, um, but I think, you know, that disappointment for Durant and, you know, having... You know, he he fell apart. He was one of the main reasons that Oklahoma City couldn't finish it at the end. Yeah. I think I think that pressure, that scrutiny, you know, the thought that you know Golden State's just going to be in their way the next season. You know, they can come back to this point, but it's going to take a full season of work to even get to that point to face Golden State again. And will they even beat them? I think he kind of just let go of you know the criticism that was always coming his way, and he kind of figured I got to do what I've got to do, which is kind of what LeBron did in Cleveland. They didn't feel like they could win where they were, um, so they went about it in a little bit of a different way. The Heat kind of formed a new team, whereas Durant's kind of joining, you know, the joining that super the team. class of the league, really. But I think what's interesting in Golden State's case is there's a bit of a shakeup there. It's not like they have their roster and they added Kevin Durant. They did lose a lot. You know, they had to free up the salary cap space. Um, they lose a lot of their bench. They lose a few starters. You know, they lose Andrew Bogut. You got Harrison Barnes gone. Maurice Spates is gone. Um, even on their coaching staff, you know, Luke Walton, who was such a big part of that team last year when Steve Kerr was missing and such a strong voice on that sideline, you know, he's gone in L.A. now. So um, it's definitely a different team. You know, they fill in some pieces. They get JaVale McGee. You know, uh, they bring in Zaza Pachulia, people like that. But, you know, they've still got Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. So it's it's a little bit of a different team. They've got they switched up some pieces sort of to fit around those four guys who are starting in Curry, Thompson, Green, and Durant, there's not much more you can fit on the court there. There's not much talent. If you were to add a fifth talented piece, I mean, it's almost inefficient at this point. Like, they're just so stacked in that starting lineup. So I think it changes up the team a little bit, but I don't see them having all too much trouble. Hey, 
everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to the Mostly NBA podcast, uh, our first episode. We wanted to get into a little bit of uh, some big shakeups in the NBA this offseason as we've had a lot of free agency uh, decisions being made. Uh, the biggest of them all, in our opinion, is probably got to be Dwayne Wade uh, going to the Bulls and obviously Derrick Rose headed to the Knicks. I mean, what are your thoughts on the Bulls, guys? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's it's weird um, to see not only Dwayne Wade in another uniform, but the face of that Bulls franchise, you know, even through his injuries was Derrick Rose. It was always, if Derrick Rose is healthy and on the court, you know, is he back to his MVP level? And if he's not on the court, it's when will Rose be coming back and will it be coming back to full strength? So it really takes a lot of what they've been going through over the last, you know, four or five years since his MVP season. Um, and it's it's a new era for the Bulls. You know, they're coming off a very disappointing season a lot of times they looked like they really couldn't beat anybody. You know, they're always competitive, you know, with Jimmy Butler um, and guys like that. It's a tough squad. But, you know, the first year under Fred Hoiberg, it was a very new experience for a lot of them. And it really didn't look like their hearts were in it a lot of the time. You know, I think this year there's there's at least a new sense of optimism in Chicago it's just fresh, to see what yeah. the new guys can do. You know, you bring in Dwayne Wade. He's a definitely a seasoned veteran um, towards the end of his career, but he's still a very productive player, especially when healthy. Um, you know, he's playing in front of his hometown now. Um, so it's got to be exciting for Wade, even though it must be a little bittersweet spending, what was it, 13 seasons in Miami? 13 seasons, yeah. So, yeah. you know, Rose on the way out, it kind of really puts a new face on the franchise, and I'm kind of excited to see how they do. You know, they bring in Rajon Rondo to run with Wade and to run with Butler. It's going to be a different team, one that we haven't seen before. A very big mix of young superstar talent in Jimmy Butler and, uh, you know, that seasoned veteran presence with Wade and Rondo. And um, I'm really interested to see what they can do in the East. Yeah, likewise. I think uh, I think they'll definitely be contenders uh, this year for sure, whether or not uh, they'll make it to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals or even make it close is yet to be seen. But I think they definitely have the potential I have a question, Michael. Um, this has been going around the internet. Whose team is it? It's Jimmy Butler's team. I mean, I think everybody understands that. I think even Dwayne Wade would say that it's Jimmy Butler's team. You know, it's been Dwayne Wade's Miami Heat for so long. You know, when he goes to a new place, I don't think he automatically... I think he he's going to have some growing pains. Um, possibly true physical pains from being old. But um, <laughs> I think Jimmy Butler, you know, he's gotten a feel for this franchise. Uh, the fans have kind of latched onto him with the uh, decline of Derrick Rose and subsequent departure of him and Noah. Um, so I think it's definitely Butler's team. I think he's got to step up and lead, and I think he's ready for it. I've seen, you know, a lot of interviews with him since uh, Dwayne Wade's signing, um, and I think he understands that it's t- it's his turn to lead this team. And I believe that he's probably ready for it. I wouldn't go so far as to say that they're a contender in the East, um, it's not too far-fetched to say that anyone is a contender in the East because it's not that <laughs> All right, competitive it, it, of a conference. But I think that there, there's a case for them to finish in the, you know, the top five seeds with how things go. Um, we'll see how their bench plays out. We'll see how they do under Hoiberg in a second season. But if I had to put money on it, I, I'm going with them probably in a lower playoff seating, likely a seven. How, how, seven? Oof. That's pretty low. That's pretty low. Uh, but below who? Below who? Off the top of my head? Yeah, give us the six. Uh, this is a not in order. <laughs> Cavs, Celtics, Raptors, Hawks, Pacers. Magic, right? Yeah. Nah, <laughs> probably not the Magic. I, I might want to say Milwaukee. I want, kind of want to see how they do this season. They had a really interesting season they last year. D- disappointing, especially after such a such a uh, exciting season the year before. So I might put Milwaukee in there, but I'd have to think about it a little more. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, still undoubtedly, though, this is this is gonna be Jimmy Butler's team. I mean, obviously, you know, Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo have made that very clear um, that they're not here uh, to take over anything. That they're here to help Jimmy and help the team any way they can. And um, I think it's undoubtedly gonna be Jimmy's team going forward through this season. It's awesome. I, I yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I, I don't think I would want it any other way. Yeah, I think it's awesome to see Jimmy Butler um, just mature and become the uh, star player that he he is slowly becoming. Um, he, he has so much potential to become, like you said, uh, just a real contender. And I think it's awesome that you have two of just some really seasoned vets. Like Rajon Rondo has been around forever, and so is Dwayne Wade. Um, and to have them come in and bring just all the experience and all of the uh, talking points and playing points that they can provide to Jimmy Butler and the rest of the guys on uh, Chicago, I just love that that interplay that's probably going to happen between the the kind of young buck and the old guard. <laughs> I love that point too, Jacob. Yeah, like you said, I mean, Dwayne Wade and Roger Rondo both have been to the finals. They both won NBA championships, so they both know you know what it takes to get to that level, and they're going to definitely be there to mentor that to Jimmy and are definitely going to be a big help to that team. Now, speaking of the new Bulls, let's talk about sort of the old Bulls, who I believe the new name is the New York <laughs> Knicks. You know, you've got Derek Rose and Joakim Noah joining Carmelo Anthony and Kristaps Porzingis in New York. A lot of people have been hyping this up um, because there's everything has to, you know, every team has to have their big three, you know, in this era. There's always like the three players on each team, even if they're not so great. You know, it's, oh, that's that team's big three. Well, now with New York, you got a big four. I'm not going to talk about, you know, if I actually think it's a big four, you know, talent-wise. But well, Michael, Michael, we have ourselves a super team in the East. Yeah, Jacob's <laughs> got some big opinions on this New York Knicks team. New Jacob, York Knicks, I want you to take over. The New York Knicks, uh, the Warriors' biggest rivals this coming season, no doubt about it. Mark my, don't mark my words. I'm only, I'm only semi-serious. But I do think the Knicks have some talent. Well, of course they have talent, but they have potential um, to be a lot better than I think people give them credit for. Obviously, Derrick Rose is in a bit of trouble right now. And who knows where, I mean, I have no idea how that's going to play out. But aside from him, um, you got Carmelo, who's, again, a seasoned veteran. And you got Chris S. Porzingis, who's uh, a young guy. He's shown a lot of potential. He's really fun, uh, you know, just to watch him play. He obviously loves what he's doing. And he's got a lot of growth room. So like the Bulls, it's just an interplay of old guard and new guard. And I'm I'm just super excited to see how it plays out. I think we're seeing we're seeing the maturation of a lot of new guys into real contendable NBA players. Because, you know, obviously, um straight out of the draft, it'll take a couple of seasons for new guys to get acquainted with the NBA and playing with it. And I think we're seeing the maturation definitely of a of a certain class of guys and I'm I'm just really excited to see how it turns out, especially with a lot of them being in the East. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've definitely got high expectations for the Knicks. I, uh, it's just an interesting team. I mean, if Derrick Rose can just stay healthy, I mean, that's a big if, obviously. But if Rose can stay healthy, obviously Noah, of course, we can't forget, is coming off of an injury last year, so we'll have to see how he plays out. But, I mean, if that team is healthy, Derrick Rose, Melo, no, Jokey, I mean, my goodness, I'm not really that big of a Knicks fan, but I am a pretty big Melo fan. I I really want to see Carmelo get a ring. He needs to add a ring to his medal collection. Honestly, um, I think he deserves it. He's he's a great player, and to see him, I mean, possibly leaving soon, soon-ish, and never even getting a ring, it's it, it'd be it'd be a shame. And who knows if he'll stay on the Knicks for the rest of his career or not? But if he does choose to stay, and they end up building. 
um, on this already awesome foundation they have, I think they definitely have a chance. But if they can just stay healthy, and uh, we can't forget what Brandon Jennings is on the team too. You know? I mean, oh, there's man, yeah, I totally forgot about yeah. Brandon Jennings. They've they've got some good players, and Phil Jackson has done a just a tremendous job this off season, and they have a, a very bright future to look forward to. But we'll just see how it plays out. They can all gel together. There's definitely the potential to compete. I don't know if they're gonna <laughs> dethrone the Cavs there in the East with those uh, bold words from Jacob earlier. But I mean, hey, anything's <laughs> possible, baby. It's the association. Joakim Noah, Joakim Noah, you know, former Gator, you know, hey. the Knicks are bound for greatness. So Absolutely. That's my input. You cannot argue with that logic. Absolutely. And he's back in the orange and blue. Oh, oh that's that's good, man. Power plays. Does I that like not that. mean championships? Joakim <laughs> Noah in an orange and blue uniform. Yes. That means championships. Jacob great. is right. Great point. <laughs> All right, you guys want my hot take? Let's hear it. It's going to blow up in their faces. Oh. The Knicks are going yeah. to be bad. So you don't How uh, bad? let me let me let me try and guess what you're gonna say. You don't think they're gonna gel. They're not gonna gel. Joakim Noah is a shell of his former self. Even when he was playing, even towards the, the you know, the Eastern Conference playoffs against the Cavs in twenty fourteen, he had completely lost himself. He was not affecting the offensive end of the floor. Um he was not quite the rebounder he once was. He still obviously plays with that with that fire, but he's not the all star that he once was. Carmelo Anthony, not on his way out. Um, definitely still a very tough guy, a very tough scoring forward. But we've seen throughout his career, he's not going to just all of a sudden now anchor a championship team. He's got to have the pieces around him. And I don't think... He can, anchor, comic, he can anchor an Olympic team. He can. He can anchor an Olympic team. But look at the pieces he had around him on the Olympic team. <laughs> I don't think Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah are close to being enough to get this Knicks team over the hump. I think Porzingis is going to be very good. I think Porzingis and Anthony are going to be their two best players. I don't think that Rose and Noah... Um, yeah, I don't really think that team's going to gel. Now, you can't deny the talent on the team. They will be in the playoffs. It'll be a 7 or 8, but it's not going to be the 3 seed that a lot of people have liked to... You know, ESPN's throwing up graphics of the big four. And it's just like, what is this about? You know, you've got a couple has-been players and an up-and-comer. Um, and Carmelo, I'm not going to call him a has-been player. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's gonna go well for the New York Knicks. That's a pretty hot take. That's a really hot take right there. <laughs> I like to give a hot take every once in a while. <laughs> Sizzling. Want to move into some of the other free agency acquisitions that were made? Yeah, real, summer? real quick. I want to get uh, your guys' opinions on um, Dwight Howard to Atlanta and Al Horford to Boston. Yeah. Sort of a b- big for the centers. Big move for the centers of the league. I. <sighs> Bad blood with Dwight Howard, uh, Magic fan, obviously. But um, I do like him in Atlanta. Atlanta's kind of my side team that I root for because I can't root for the Magic all the time, obviously. So I, I look to other teams in the East to make myself feel better, <laughs> um, which I don't know why I would look to the Hawks if that were the case. Aren't, aren't, they, aren't, they, aren't they in your division? They are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've always liked the Hawks, though. And I like the way they're looking this year. I think Dwight Howard is a great fit for them, and I think he's gonna—he he has the potential to take off there. Absolutely, Dwight. I mean, Dwight's gonna be comfortable. I mean, this is his hometown, right? I mean, it it's, returning to Atlanta again to play. I mean, obviously, just him and Harden and Houston just were not gelling whatsoever. Just a bad situation there. Out of all the teams that Dwight could have gone to, I mean, uh, this way I look at it, it's got to be the best possible option for him back in his hometown. Uh, being able to play, you know, there's not a, a lot of star power per se. Obviously, you have Schroeder on the team. Jeff Teague is now gone. 
But um, there's some good role players, and they have the potential to maybe make some noise in the East, but we'll see. But this is definitely the best fit for Dwight, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think whenever you put a lineup like that on the floor, you've got a pretty dynamic point guard in, uh, in Dennis Schroeder. Um, but when you've got Paul Millsap and Dwight Howard anchoring like the block, that's different than most of the league right now who's starting to build through guards and uh, you know spread fours and shooters um, on the perimeter. They're seeing what Golden State's doing, and you know it's, it's tough to beat that when you're not that right now. So I think it'll be interesting for the Hawks. Um, I, I do see them quietly being a contender in the East. I think their ceiling is probably second round of the playoffs, which it usually is for Atlanta. <laughs> it usually is. But, you know, I think there wasn't too much of a change. There. You know, you lose Jeff Teague, but you've got a serviceable point guard in there already. And you bring in, at very least, a physical force in Dwight Howard. So I, I do think it's a good situation for him. I think for him, if he wanted to win... To be with a better roster, Boston would have been the move. But I think if he goes to Boston, Boston's in a worse situation. Boston, though, picked up Al Horford, which was huge for them. Much better get than Dwight Howard um, would have been. Um, what are your thoughts on Al Horford to Boston and possibly creating you know, the next best team in the East? Look, the Celtics were already a good team, as is, obviously. I mean, a lot of hype about them, with or without Al Horford coming into this season, one of the best teams defensively in the league. Obviously, Brad Stevens is regarded as one of the top coaches in the league right now and up and coming, and he's still so young. So he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future. But the Celtics, I mean, that's just a huge acquisition for them. Al Horford has been so consistent. He's one of those players that he's been an all-star before, but still he doesn't get that you know, that high praise as some of the other centers do in the league. But he's one of those guys that is well-respected by everyone in the league. And uh, he gets his job done, and that'll be a really good fit for them. Up in Boston, they're going to be a good team this year. I got a really good feeling about them. Yeah, what do you what do you like? What do you guys think is like the ceiling for that Celtics team? Because there's a lot of stuff up in the air in the East. There, are, you know, the Cavs have. I don't want to say they've cemented themselves, but they've cemented themselves as the best team in the East yeah, after two I'd, years. Absolutely, I'd say that. You know, you've got you know a lot of teams up in the air for those second and third spots, as you saw last year. I mean, Miami came out of the pack with that third seed when they were what a game away from being the sixth seed, um, which went to Charlotte and home home court, obviously went in Miami's favor in that series. So. You know, there's a lot to be played for in the East when you've got competition like you do after Cleveland. But there's starting to become, you know, a few levels. It's not anymore Cleveland and the rest. I think it's going to be Cleveland, a few teams below that, that I believe Boston falls into, and then a few more contenders that, you know, the Chicago's and the New York's might have to fight for those last seeds. But where do you think Boston lies in that second tier of the East? I think, I mean, in my opinion, I have them going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think this team will be the Uh-oh. two seed. That's, in my opinion, I don't see anyone else. I mean, the, there's going to be other contenders. Obviously, Nixon Bulls. Obviously, the Raptors will be up there again. But um, I honestly believe that this Celtics team uh, can go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I don't think anyone's going to dethrone the Cavs, but I think that they could definitely uh, be a two-seed and make it that far. Yeah, I'd have to agree with him. I'm not a huge Celtics fan, so I don't want to see them really get anywhere near the finals. Um <laughs> But uh, I think, yeah, it definitely is a great acquisition for them. I think they'll definitely be contenders. Like he said, I don't think they're going to beat the Cavs. The Cavs are... They're just another animal. I think they're obviously the best team in the East. Um, I don't think there's any arguing with that. But I don't think it's in the same way that the Warriors are the best team in the West. And that's why I I like the NBA East a lot more. I think it's because it's just a lot more competitive. It's not so much a... uh, one versus all it's like you said there's different tiers 
Um, and in each one brings with it its own uh, unique challenges and uh, toughness. Cam, any thoughts on the uh, on the Boston Celtics? Boston first round exit, five games easy. <laughs> All right. Hey, they got to the playoffs at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>And welcome back, folks, to the Mostly NBA Talk here. Uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, big events over the summer, but perhaps the biggest event uh, of this past summer and in, indeed this past uh, season has been of retirement. Just a lot of, to me, really sad retirements and, and uh, major players leaving the league, guys like Kobe and Tim Duncan leaving Two, honestly, of my favorite players uh, to see them go. It's it's a little bit heartbreaking, but at the same time, you gotta understand that they're getting old, and you know there's not really much they could do for their team. Obviously, you saw the Lakers last year; they weren't much to uh, kick at at all. But yeah, um, retirements just across the league. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that. For all three of these players, the major retirements in Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and Kevin Garnett, it was kind of their time. Um, they weren't huge factors anymore in their team's rotations, other than Kobe's 60-point game where he took every shot of the game. That was that was 100% given to him. I don't I don't think, they're, uh, yeah. It was a great moment. Still, I it was think. a great. <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic moment. Goes down in sports history, but it was 100% given to him. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think a man that needs ice wrapped around every limb of his body uh during halftime is gonna score 60 points against a team that's actually trying sorry yeah um i agree but i think it just further goes to show that you know he took most shots in that game and gets 60 (laughs) points you know he's not gonna be a 60 point kind of player normally (laughs) um but yeah i think kobe um it was definitely time for him to move on i think duncan I would have been shocked had he come back. Um, Garnett took me a little bit more by surprise because, you know, he was back with Minnesota, a very young team. He was definitely the veteran there, a big mentor for those guys. And his uh, his announcement of his retirement came, came really very late. recently. Yeah. So that one took me um, a little more off guard because there hadn't been much said about it. And it very overshadowed by Kobe's whole farewell tour. And I think most people believe Duncan all season was it was going to be his last but he went out in the most Tim Duncan way possible, not saying anything until after the season, <laughs> just feeling, yeah, I'm done. But yeah, I think it's it's not so much a changing of the guard because, you know, those guys pretty much all handed their torches already. You know, Kobe Bryant hasn't been Kobe Bryant for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim Duncan, I think the Spurs were in good hands with LaMarcus Aldridge taking over um, his duties. And Kevin Garnett, you know, the Timberwolves are just going to be another another thing entirely in that western conference in a couple seasons so i don't think um they're leaving their teams with any big holes i think they all end with absolutely hall of fame careers um and yeah i just think it was a good time for them all to move on yeah 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 so kobe bryant you know biggest name in basketball i can even say that so of that generation it's kind of sad to see any name like that retire can any of you think of an like another athlete in any other sport that's Retired recently that just, you know, it's sad to see them go. That had such, like... Such uh, an impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
probably not quite to the extent of Kobe Bryant. You yeah, know, you've got David course. Ortiz. I retiring, mean, those people but, are once in a lifetime. But, David Ortiz is a good example, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Jeter last year as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, no one else. No yeah, one I don't any. think because be, I think it's because Kobe had his farewell tour, and there was so much hype, and there was so much talk about him leaving, and basically the entire season was slightly uh, a marketing campaign for Nike um, and all that. It was uh, absolutely everywhere, seeing uh, Kobe retiring, you know, greatest of all time, stuff like that. But yeah, I don't, I don't think any in recent men- memory for any sport had quite the impact that Kobe's retirement had on just the general public. And you know that Kobe loved every second of that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? He savored that. Yeah, for sure, I would. Um, I want to get into the draft a little bit. It wasn't as high profile an NBA draft as some past years have been, but you know, definitely some some big talent on the board with Ben Simmons, um, Brandon Ingram, those kind of guys. Um, unfortunate to see Ben Simmons get hurt so early. That's kind of Sixers luck. That's what, yeah, that's what happens Sixers. when you go to Philadelphia, bro. <laughs> but you know, they get something back with you know Embiid finally being healthy, something to hold them over until Simmons out. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, what were your guys' thoughts on the draft? I think it was pretty dull, unexciting. I think uh, I think Chris Dunn to Minnesota is the biggest, not surprise, but I think it's going to be the lowest key draft selection. I think he's going to be a very good player, especially for that team that already has a lot of young pieces. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, in Minnesota, there's a lot of question recently about Ricky Rubio. I mean, we obviously know that Ricky Rubio is you know, capable of assisting the ball better than almost anyone in the league. But um, obviously there were some questions as far as uh, his scoring, you know, offensive efficiency in that area. They needed a point guard that can shoot, and Chris Dunn brings that as well. I mean, that doesn't mean Rubio is gone. He's still still his position. But um, Chris Dunn will be there, and he'll be, you know, a solid point guard to have for many years to come who can score the basketball and can do uh, facilitate in many different areas. So definitely big draft pickup for them. And Ben Simmons, my goodness. Can you think of another player in recent years of just – so much magnitude and hype coming into the draft you know the next LeBron James he's been pegged Uh, so it'll be exciting to see Ben get into some action finally once he gets back from his injury oh that's another acquisition for the Lakers I mean obviously Kobe is gone but now you got Brandon Ingram coming in Uh, just a huge big time score for Duke last year I mean he really grew his whole freshman year and um, he's just going to be a really good player for them a lot of Kevin Durant comparisons for him obviously they got you know kind of the similar body type per se but I don't know about uh, he can definitely shoot the ball but I mean Kevin Durant's a different animal but um, we'll see um, somebody that I, I think definitely brings some intrigue to their team um, Oklahoma's Buddy Heald going to the New Orleans Pelicans you know it was pretty disappointing season for the Pelicans after grabbing that eighth seed last year or should I say 2015 you know Anthony Davis emerging as one of the you know young big stars in the league um, I think Davis healthy though you bring in Buddy Heald see if he can be that that scoring anchor for you outside of the paint, um, I think that could be very interesting for New Orleans. Absolutely. New Orleans is just one of those teams that, my goodness, they've got a superstar down there in Anthony Davis, but there's just nothing else around him. they got to do something down there. Buddy Heal is definitely a step, but they've got a long ways to go, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. They need offense, that's for sure. Um, yeah, the draft this year, like you were saying, definitely a little bit underwhelming, at least for me. who. Uh, who's uh, a fan who's not particularly interested um, in the, you know, kind of deep down analytics and player movements uh, within the league. Usually I'll, I'll watch the draft, but I'll only really care about the magic draft. And this year, uh, like you said, it was just kind of not spectacular at all. 
or at least there wasn't very much showmanship happening, not a lot of fanfare. And I, I think it's honestly, obviously because of uh, the big KD move and all the other movements within the league and the retirements just completely overshadowed. It. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think the draft was, that was certainly a hangover period in the NBA. You're coming off of the Cavs winning, big finals celebration, big whole thing with that, bunch of questions about the Warriors. KD goes to the Warriors, a lot of questions after that. And the draft, especially not a strong draft, it, it becomes an afterthought. Um, definitely was for me. I'm a little biased, but um, you know, I think that this was one of the weaker drafts, or I should say this is one of the weaker drafts in like the last five years, but I mean, that kind of tends to happen. Um, you get a couple years of, you know, some solid players, and then you get that one big draft, and this just wasn't it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, there's definitely some intrigue here. I definitely think people are um, underselling Jalen Brown, for one thing. Yeah, Jalen Brown uh, coming out of Cal, that was a very good team last year, and people sort of forget about that. They had that early exit in the tournament. Um, injuries had to do with that, yeah, too. Bi- yeah, they yeah. had some big injuries, especially leading right up to the tournament. But... Um, you know he's he's a strong guy, and the Celtics are looking for that. You know, the strong forwards they have, they've had a few that haven't panned out as I thought they might. Um, a few play players that are still playmakers for him. Definitely Marcus Smart, I think, is still um, a role player for that team, and he fits his role very well. But he's not quite the leader he was at Oklahoma State. Same with James Young out of Kentucky from a few years ago. People, you know, coming in, people thought that he was going to turn into what. Devin Booker now has turned into from Kentucky one of those like you know big scoring uh shooting guards um but I haven't really heard much about James Young in Boston but they keep accumulating that young talent and adding Jalen Brown to that I think is going to be uh really big for them and kind of it flew under the radar um I think the whole Simmons and Ingram talk for a couple weeks before the draft put Ingram in the national spotlight when Duke really wasn't this year um I got a chance to see Ingram play in just about all the Duke tournament games and he, he really impressed me. I hadn't heard much about him, honestly, um, through the college season. And when I first saw him, I remember thinking, like, this is a really skinny kid, but he, he, can, he can play basketball. I mean, he can score the ball. You know, he was finding ways to the basket. And when he bulks up, when he gets a little bit stronger, I think he can definitely be a big building piece to that Lakers team that already has a lot of good young talent. And we're back with the Mostly NBA podcast. Right now we are going to do predict our biggest contenders of each conference in the National Basketball Association. Starting off with Mike. Mike, you got this? I can this? take it. I can All take right. it for sure. All right. A little difficult to call this one um, because I think there's going to be a bit more parity next year. Um, a lot went on outside of Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. A lot of smaller pieces were moving around, improving teams, making teams a little worse, um, losing bench pieces. So I think that under the you know big moves of Golden State and the big news of Cleveland, a lot went on under the surface of that, which is going to change up these conferences below those top two teams a bit. So starting with the West, Golden State is going to run away with it. I don't think... Even if they, yeah, I think that's not even debatable. Yeah, I mean, even if they have a few growing pains, which wouldn't be a huge shock, they're gonna get that together very quickly. Um, They're a very good team with adjustments. Um, They believe in their system. They know their system, and you know, Kevin Durant, you know, he made a big move going out there. So I think he's gonna, he's gonna accept the challenge of really learning that offense very quickly. And 
even if he doesn't on his own he's just such a he's such a talent so I don't think they're gonna have too much trouble I think Golden State ends up winning the West by a comfortable margin there's a lot of teams that could come in after this but I'm gonna you know you have to go with the Spurs like we said earlier losing Duncan isn't huge for their rotation so you think LaMarcus Aldridge is gonna come in playing at a very high level you think Kawhi Leonard's gonna come in playing at a high level I don't think Tony Parker is ever gonna retire He's he's like the ageless wonder, um, so that's going to be a very good team again. I think him and Ginobili, Ginobili still yeah, Ginobili's right? still on there. So I think the Spurs will take that second seed, and then when you get to the third seed, it's kind of a toss up. There's a lot of competitive teams in the West, um, and whereas a couple of years ago it seemed like all the competitive teams in the West were so much better than the competitive teams in the East, I think they're kind of on the same level outside of the top teams. I think once you get to like the three through eight. You've got more competition in the East now and a little less in the West now. So I think it's kind of evened out. Um, you've got teams. You've got Houston. You've got the Clippers. You've got Portland. It's kind of a toss-up. You can kind of throw any of those in there. Um, if you were to ask me to put money on it, I'd probably go with the Clippers just because they still have that star power, and they've been together a very long time. So barring injuries, like their catastrophic ones in the playoffs last year, uh, which, by the way, I think they would have given Golden State a huge run just because of their toughness. Um, I know that Chris Paul has never even, what, he's never gone to a conference finals, but I think that if the Clippers don't get hurt, if Paul and Griffin don't go down in subsequent games last year, or was it the same game? They got hurt either either in the same game or back-to-back games in the first round there against Portland. I think if they don't get hurt, they give the Warriors a big run for their money with Steph coming back from the injury. But that aside, um, I think the Clippers, when fully healthy, are still a very good team, so I think they'll probably take that third seed. In the East, there's not really much else you can put in that first spot. I've got to go with Cleveland. Um, they're a team that, you know, even when they first had their their new crop of talent together, it's so much talent in one space that you got to expect big things from them. And they, you know, they took the second seed that first year when Atlanta caught fire for a few months. But Cleveland has really figured it out. They, they know each other. Um, that core really knows each other now, knows how to play together. They've won a championship together. Uh, just saying that made my heart beat a little fast. Um, so I think Cleveland is going to take that first seed. And, I, you know, last year it came down to the wire a little bit. Cleveland didn't start to really play elite basketball until the playoffs. You know, they only beat Toronto for that first seed by one game last year. Um, I don't think that's the case this year. I think Toronto falls off a little bit. Um, they lose a bit of that bench. Um, certainly they lost Biombo to Orlando. And I think Lowry and DeRozan, it's enough to carry them through regular season. And as they showed, carry them closely with other teams in the postseason you know they barely scraped by to the conference finals um and they're a competitive team but i don't think that's quite enough to get them the second seed i'm gonna go out on a limb here and i'm gonna go for my second hot take of the series hot take hot take hot take (laughs) (laughs) are we all supposed to say it hot take the indiana pacers are going to take the second seed in the east Ooh. I think people slept on them all regular season. The only reason I didn't is because they beat the Cavs a few times and I knew how tough they were. And they add Jeff Teague. So George Hill, I think George Hill to Jeff Teague is an upgrade. I think George Hill was definitely a serviceable point guard for a while there in Indiana. But I think adding Jeff Teague adds more offense um, to a team that didn't have much outside of Paul George anymore. That whole old guard of Danny Granger and David West and Roy Hibbert was all gone. So you're kind of left with Paul George 
you know, in his first strong full season back last year when he was fantastic. But I think you add Jeff Teague to that mix, you know, Miles Turner is really growing up. Rookie center out of Texas, you know, I think that's a team that's very tough on the defensive end um, and only getting better on the offensive end. I think Paul George has great leadership, and he's he can be a killer. I'm telling you, when he gets into the fourth quarter, he is the kind of guy that you want with the ball in his hands. Um, I think it's going to hurt them a bit losing Frank Vogel. I don't know how um, that's going to affect them in terms of toughness. Frank Vogel, obviously a very tough defensive-minded coach going to Orlando, um, which, by the way, was huge for Orlando. That was a huge get. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think Indiana has the star power. They have the grit, um, and I, I do see them taking that second seed, closely followed by the Boston Celtics. I think that's it's going to be a pretty good year in Boston for those guys coming off a disappointing first-round loss last year to Atlanta. And Atlanta, I think, starts to finally drop off um, a little bit from you know their <laughs> reign of terror of the fourth seed. Um, they might still get the fourth seed, but I just don't think they're as tough as they have been in years past. So, yeah, I'm going with uh, Cleveland, Indiana, Boston in the east, Golden State, San Antonio, Clippers in the west. All right, let's take a look at the standings, see who's in what conference. (laughs) 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 So starting with the east, number three, we are going with the Toronto Raptors. Obviously a pretty good choice by me. Oh, Canada. (laughs) Yes. Number two, uh, we are going with the Chicago Bulls, Windy City. So they're going to be winning, per se. (laughs) And number one, we're not going to have the Cavs. That's my hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. So we we have the Pacers. Clearly, they're going to be the best team in the East. There you go. It's a sizzling take. that's, That's pretty sizzling. So let's move on over to the West. At number three, the San Antonio Spurs. And then we're going to have the Oklahoma City Thunder. Gator, great head coach. Shout out to Billy D. Billy D, we Billy miss you very much. And at number one, we are going to have the Golden State Warriors because obviously they're a great team. They're golden. <laughs> golden boys. Golden boys. That should be a new show. We should have Kevin Durant and them, reality show, TLC, like what do you think, Golden the Golden Girls. Boys? Yeah, yeah, just like the Golden Girls. Was it the Golden the... Girls? Golden. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, Golden yeah. Girls. Right, Betty yeah. White, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I who's on. Like, uh, <laughs> I feel like Matt's watched us recently. Oh, no comment <laughs> on that. Draymond Green's going to add some uh, add some intrigue any, to that show. Any show with Draymond Green. Just give Draymond Green his own show. We'll follow Draymond around anywhere. That would be obviously an instant seller but for me guys yeah i'll go ahead and start out in the eastern conference for me starting at a three seed i'm gonna go ahead and go with the new york knicks i am wow there's a lot of there's definitely a lot of hype about it now that's a big if if derrick rose can stay healthy if joe kim can stay healthy and you know the core mix as well i honestly do think that there's no reason for them not to be there with the power uh, that they have on that team currently at number two, I've got the Boston Celtics. I think the addition of Al Horford is going to be very beneficial to them. They had a strong core last year, and we're going to be a really good team already. Just that addition, as well as Jalen Brown coming in, just provides more scoring opportunities for them and just more weapons for Brad Stevens to work with. And obviously at number one, I mean, I don't think it's going to be any question about that. Obviously the Cavs, um, it's definitely going to be their spot to lose in the East, and um, I definitely don't think they're going to lose that spot. Heading to the Western Conference, I've got the Los Angeles Clippers at the number three seed. I definitely think that they'll have a strong year this year. Uh, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, if they can stay healthy as well and bounce off their injuries, they're going to have a really solid season. At the number two seed, 
Uh, the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, Greg Popovich knows how to get his boys going each year. Obviously, the Marcus Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard, a possible MVP contender in him. Obviously, you still got Tony Parker, still got Ginobili. Um, they've just got a very good core still there, even with the loss of Duncan. And uh, number one, no question about it, it's going to be the Golden State Warriors. This team is going to be tremendous. Uh, Steph Curry is going to have another solid year. I don't know about MVP worthy just because there's so many weapons and different people to share the ball with. But, um, man, that's just going to be a fun team to watch, and we'll see just how that plays out. It'll be fun to watch them. All right, yeah, uh, interesting uh, choices. Mine, funnily enough, look quite similar. Um, I think it's no surprise that uh, for the East and West top contenders, I have the Cavs and Warriors again. I honestly don't think any other uh, club out there in the league has the depth um, that these two teams do. I think it's just uh, it's going to be the, the the way it is for uh, you know next year at least, and maybe a year or two after. Who knows? Um, they're just going to be the the big two, and they're going to be clashing heads. Um, but for the East, I have the Cavs, followed by the Toronto Raptors. And rounded out by the Knicks in the third seed. And in the West, I have the Warriors, of course, followed by the Spurs. And third seed, I don't. I have it between the Thunder and uh, Portland. Wow. I think. Um, I don't know. I just. I, I. I really like both teams, and I really think they have a lot to offer. I think the Thunder. People kind of sleep on the Thunder now that KD left, but I think they. They really do have a team there without even without KD, Russell Westbrook, who's um, he has the possibility now the the freedom without KD to just explode um, into an offensive powerhouse, um, and I'm really excited to see what happens there with him. Um, but uh, Russell Westbrook, they got Stephen Adams, they just got um, Victor Oladipo from the Magic, which I'm still salty about. Um, <laughs> But he's a great uh, kind of perimeter player, a sharpshooter, and he's he obviously add a lot of uh, depth to that playing field at the Thunder. Um, so I, I'm probably actually going to pick Thunder. So, yeah, Warriors, Spurs, Thunder for the West. See, that's interesting to me that you had that Thunder pick in there, and you said that they've been kind of slept on since Durant left. I think when Durant originally left, people overreacted and said that they were going to be you know pretty bad. And now I think it's the other way. I think people are overreacting in that, oh, now, you know, they've still got Westbrook. I think people think they're going to be like a three or a four. Not to step <laughs> on your toes there on those predictions. I just think that it's it's certainly going to be a tougher year for them. I think Billy Donovan was the coach of the playoffs last year, um, arguably. I think he did a great job in taking out the Spurs and almost taking out the Warriors. Um, so I think they're set coaching-wise – um, they don't have that Scott Brooks void that they did when they had all the talent, but not the coaching. Um, but yeah, I just think, I don't think it's quite enough for them yet. They're going to be a good team. They're going to be in the playoffs, but I see them a little bit lower. Um, if I had to guess, I'm going to go with like a six, I think for Oklahoma wow. city. I think that a lot of star power in Russell Westbrook and a lot of solid role players, but I don't think it's much outside of that. All right. I mean, that's fair. That's fair enough. But that can lead us into our next little segment we're going to go through. Um, each of us has a surprise team and a disappointing team, sort of outside the realm of, you know, our top three picks. You know, you know, we, we gave our hot takes with, all, you know, the whole Indiana thing, but that more of a surprise team and being one that we haven't much talked about or ones that we haven't much talked about that we think are going to make some noise in uh, their respective conferences. So we'll start with Jacob. Um, who do you have surprising and who do you have kind of 
falling. Is it wrong that I have the same team for both? Because I do. <laughs> and it's the magic. Um, okay. Because they honestly have the possibility to swing either way. Um, they made a lot of moves in the offseason. They, of course, made the Oladipo trade. Uh, but they got Serge Ibaka, who has experience in the league. He's, he's a uh, veteran player. Um, and I think we need that as a team, as a very young team. Um, we picked up Biombo from Toronto. I think he's a great uh, center. He definitely made a lot of moves in the playoffs uh, the past season. Um, so I'm very excited to see how that happens, um, how that will conflict with Vuce, however, uh, or Nick Vucevic has, it's, is yet to be seen. Um, obviously got a lot of young guys on the team, Alfred Payton, Aaron Gordon, um, super excited to see where they go. I think there's a ton of talent, especially in Aaron Gordon. Uh, Alfred Payton is going to be, I think that's going to be the make or break, whether or not he can step up. Um, obviously, I don't know if you followed this, but Scott Skiles, our previous coach, was fired, and Frank Vogel, of course, brought in. And apparently, according to rumors, it was because uh, a decision on point guard uh, was just too costly. I'm not sure if Skiles wanted uh, Peyton at point guard or if the uh, ownership did, uh, but one of them wanted Peyton to be that the guy at uh, point. Um, and there is a disagreement there, and that's why Skiles left. So uh, obviously a lot hinging on Peyton's performance in the coming year. So obviously if if he comes out and does well, and if the rest of the guys come out and do well and stay healthy, um, Evan Fournier uh, hadn't mentioned, but he's an awesome player. Uh, even in the preseason games here, he's been showing up and, and putting up a lot of numbers. Um, last season, he was equally impressive. I'm excited to see where he goes. If all the guys can stay healthy and if they all do what they need to do, they're my surprise pick. I can see them getting pretty far. Uh, four, I, I I think they can get up to the fourth seed. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, I'll give them that. They have that potential. <laughs> um, but also, they have the potential to crash and burn. <laughs> um, and I'm super nervous uh, watching some of these preseason games. Um uh, that that might end up being the way it uh, ends up playing out. Uh, I think there, there's there been uh, a couple injuries. I think Aaron Gordon was out for at least a game uh, with an injury. I think he might still be out now as, as, of, uh, as of when we're talking. Um, but I, I, he really needs to get back out there. I'd really like to see what we can do uh, with Serge Ibaka, putting him in there and maybe uh, playing with him, being on the court. It is yet to be seen if Alfred Payton can come out and do what he needs to do in order to take us to another level. But yeah, Orlando Magic. So as far as my Dark Horse team, you could say my surprise is going to come out of the West, and that's going to be the Utah Jazz, guys. And that's a team that went 40-42 and 42 last year, <laughs> and were in contention uh, still at the end of the season to possibly get that eighth seed. Uh, however, they did suffer uh, some injuries, which were very critical, uh, you know, and hurt them in the long run. But They've got a good team coming for. They got G- Gordon Hayward, uh, Derek Favors, Rodney Hood. Uh, they just acquired Joe Johnson. Unfortunately, uh, from the Heat, sad to see him leave Miami. I was, you know, really hoping he would stay around. But um, Gordon Hayward, though, guys, is injured. Uh, he had a busted finger, is what they're calling it. Uh, still no specifics, but that's all they're giving us is a busted finger. Wow. But Joe Johnson is going to fill his role for the first six weeks of the season. But I think that's definitely a team that has a He's lot out of potential. for six weeks? Yeah, to start the season. Did that just occur? Uh, yeah. Wow. Fairly recent. So it's going to be, um, yeah, that's not going to be a, the best of starts for them. Not the start that they were anticipating. But once he gets back, once he returns, 
uh, I think they'll start to gel. And as far as my disappointment, you know, I'm honestly going to go with the Toronto Raptors. Now, not saying that as in they're going to implode. Uh, this is Toronto, the team that obviously was, what, a three seed last year for them. Um, was it a three year? They were a two seed last year. Yeah, they were a two seed. Uh, so Toronto being a two seed last year, I think DeRozan and Kyle Lowry will obviously just continue to keep up, you know, the work that they've been doing over the last several years. Just two really, really good players. But um, like Jacob was talking about, Bismarck Biombo heading to the Magic. I honestly think they that's going to hurt them. They lost a big guy there. That's that's, for sure. that's a huge. Uh, he played a very critical role for them down low. His presence was something that you know was definitely wreaked havoc on other teams. And he had that intensity about him down there. So I think that will hurt them. Not to say that, once again, they're going to go out of the playoffs or anything, but um, I don't think they will be as good as they were last year. Alrighty, I will start with my disappointment, which would be the Miami Heats. I know a lot of people don't have them looking very good this year, but guess what? They're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to make a little bit of a run. Mark <laughs> my words. Hassan um, Whiteside MVP? Maybe. Hey, yeah. <laughs> All right, and then uh, my surprise is not going to be a team. It's going to be a player. It's going to be Derrick Rose. He's not going to be injured at all this year. So that's wow. Be, yeah. I like that. That's yeah. bold. That is yeah. hot take. Hot, hot take. Hot take. <laughs> I don't really have a hot take for the East. If I were to put a team in there that I think is going to surprise, um, I would say probably Milwaukee Bucks. They're, they've got a they got a young team that mm-hmm. is capable of making noise. Um, I don't quite know what the issue was last year. There was something about bit of a distraction with Greg Monroe. Um, I don't know if it was much of a distraction. I just don't think he fit as they thought he would last year. Now, um, if they get that squared away, if he can sort of come into um, his fit a little better this year, um, I think they could be a surprising but not a shock team. Um, Maybe like a five in the East. But my teams come from the West. Um, Matt, I really liked your pick of the Jazz. Um, I think people forget, you know, at the end of the season, you said they went 40 and 42. They had a chance to finish 500, and they fell victim to Kobe Bryant's 60-point game. <laughs> That's right. Um, so they were they were hanging around right right there out of the playoffs, and they're a tough team for a lot of teams to play. They're a 500 team, but they are not a team that you probably want to see in the first round no. of the playoffs. So I like that Jazz pick. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction, a team that we haven't even mentioned once tonight, um, the Denver Nuggets. For a couple of years, they've been stockpiling a lot of young talent. It started with Kenneth Freed. Um, a few years ago, and then last year, you know, with the uh, emergence of Emmanuel Moutier, the point guard, and uh, Nikola Jokic, um, I believe I'm saying that right, who played very well for, was it the Serbian national team? Um, He was kind of seen more. People probably saw him more in that game against the U.S. than they did all year with the Nuggets, but Nuggets fans are very high on this guy. Um, You know, they've still got a great scorer in Danilo Gallinari. Uh, They draft Jamal Murray. You know, they've got a good young core that individually they're good players but we haven't quite seen what they can do as a team yet um they weren't in contention at all last year or anything like that but I think you know this would be the year that we would see you know whether this starts to lean towards okay potential playoff roster or okay we're going to need some more talent here I think they have all the talent they can handle for this season though and I think it's going to start to lean um towards the positive side for the Denver Nuggets the other surprise team I have also comes from the West. This is a team that has always, next to the Cavs, been my favorite team in the NBA. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, I think they had a terrible time last year with injuries. You know, you have Mike Conley sidelines. You've got Marcus Gasol with the broken foot. Um, but, you know, coming into this season, they're they're like a new-look team. You know, if you get a healthy Marcus Gasol, that's a guy who's going to make things very difficult for you down low, especially coupling him with Zach Randolph, who's always a handful. 
Marcus Saul is a guy that can score not just around the basket. He's got that jump shot. Um, he's a very good defender. You're getting Mike Conley back, who I think is one of the most underrated point guards in the NBA. Um, he did get a ridiculous contract. Crazy money. But I think this Grizzlies team, you know, adding um, Chandler Parsons, another former Gator, Gator. great. Um, I think it's going to be really good for them in a Western conference that has a lot of teams hovering around potentially competitive. I think they're going to be right in there with Portland, uh, Clippers, and Houston looking at that third and fourth seed. Um, so I think the Memphis Grizzlies are going to surprise a couple people. My disappointment team, um, I think I stated it earlier, I think the New York Knicks are going to really disappoint just because of the um, pressure that everyone is putting on them by building them up. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league, but I see them scraping by and maybe barely making the playoffs. The other team that I'm not as high on as a lot of people are the Thunder. Um, I believe I mentioned that a little earlier. Um, but like I said before, I think like a six seed is something for them. Uh, maybe fighting you know, around where Dallas usually is. I think it's going to be an interesting year for them. But yeah, I'm going to go with Knicks as my disappointing team. So bridging into players, I want to real quick touch on who you guys are expecting to come out with that MVP level of play. In the last two years, it's been Steph Curry, um, unanimous last year, and he completely deserved it, I believe, both years. I think there's an argument to be made um, two years ago for James Harden, but um, I think this year it changes it up a little bit. You know, you're you're crowding that offense in Golden State by adding Kevin Durant, um, an offense that already has several guys putting up 20 a game at least. You know, Curry put up 30 a game last year. So I think that opens up the conversation a little bit more, and I'd like to hear who you guys think uh, is going to be in that race. Yeah, um, I kind of mentioned it before, but uh, my pick for MVP is has got to be Russell Westbrook. I think um, the departure of KD opens up such so many new possibilities for Russell Westbrook to take command of that team and take command of the scoring in particular. I mean, you look at Steph Curry and you look at the the past um, MVP uh, nominees for the uh, past couple of years or so, um, and it's been mainly offense-focused. So if we see a Russell Westbrook that just comes out the gate and absolutely explodes with power um, and offensive capability, I think he has uh, a really strong chance of uh, of getting up there this year and and even uh, winning the MVP. Yeah, Jacob, you've got an excellent point there. Russell Westbrook, this is honestly, in my opinion, you can put this as a hot take. I don't know if it's a hot take or not. We'll see. But this is definitely his MVP to lose. I mean, there's so much hype surrounding him this season. You know, Kevin Durant is finally gone. Uh, this really opens up the offense for him. I mean, everything's going to flow through him. Um, you know, the, obviously, he's their only star now on that team. They have really good role players in Steven Adams, uh, Enos Cantor, and obviously Oladipo, which will all, you know, bring their own different facets and um, assets to the team. But definitely, this is a Russell Westbrook's time. He's been waiting on this for a while, guys. We all know that. We all know when Kevin Durant, you know, went down a few years ago, he really took off, and he was in kind of that MVP consideration a little bit, even though it just was too late in the season uh, for him to really get a good campaign going. But Definitely. Uh, Russell Westbrook is going to have a tremendous year, and he's going to make some noise. Yeah, Look for, out for OKC. For sure. Um, that, that's not a hot take. You know, that's not a hot take. I think last year, who was it, Mark Cuban? Was he the one that said uh, Oklahoma City only has one superstar? Yep. That got to him. That got to uh, Russell Westbrook, and I think that, coupled with KD leaving, I think it's really kind of just shift him into a whole new gear of focus and determination and drive and we're going to see him just absolutely explode next season i'm excited lebron james <laughs> lebron james 
There you go. That's mine. <laughs> I, right. I couldn't tell you, boys. <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, I would love to see LeBron James win an MVP, but I think I think LeBron James to win an MVP would have to be playing a lot of minutes, number one. And that's something that I know the Cavs don't want to do. I know Ty Lue has already come out and said, we're going to be really watching LeBron's minutes uh, this time. Because, you know, why not? At this point, they've won a title um, there's not as much pressure even to get home court in the uh, playoffs, which they should be able to do even playing LeBron 30 minutes a night. Um, I believe they plan to play him somewhere in the 30 to 35-minute range because he's got a lot of minutes on him. You know, people forget, you know, he is only 31, but he's played deep into the playoffs most of his years in the league. So I don't see um, LeBron pushing himself enough to win that MVP to be the that best player in the league statistics-wise during the regular season because he just doesn't need to. Um, you know, there are guys on the fringe, you know, you could always, you look at James Harden now without Dwight Howard, he's always a guy that, you know, he controls the game, when the ball's in his hands, he's an elite scorer, I don't think it's going to be Harden this year, though, I also, I, I'm not going to go with Russell Westbrook, I think that, you know, Jacob, you were talking about the offense flowing through him, I think the offense kind of stops with him, he's not as much of a facilitator as most point guards, but that's not a terrible thing in this NBA. You know, you got a lot of point guards who are big scorers now, Kyrie Irving being one of them. Um, Russell Westbrook is going to have big points numbers because he's the kind of guy that racks up the points. He will he will drive to the hoop from 80 feet away on a fast break. Um, but I just, I'm not sure I see him coming out with the MVP this year. Instead, I'm going to go runner-up Paul George of Indiana. You know, I think they're going to be the number two seed, so someone's got to get him there. Um, and I think Paul George is going to continue on his fantastic play from last year. But my MVP is going to be Kawhi Leonard this year. Um, several-time Defensive Player of the Year mm-hmm. in San Antonio. He's um, you know sort of like the quiet menace in the West. People kind of forget about San Antonio. Um, even though they had that 67-win year last year, they were really overshadowed by Golden State. And you know then when they failed to make a lot of noise in the playoffs, I think people are kind of forgetting about them. And Kawhi Leonard is the kind of guy, he's going to give you a great defensive effort every night. He's going to be the kind of guy that you can rely on to score. I mean, Jacob, you'll remember last year that big clutch game-winning shot against the Magic. That's the kind of guy that, you know, Kawhi Leonard can be that kind of guy for you. I think he can be a lot for the Spurs, um, and it's it's opening up a bit more. He's becoming the face of that team. He's a very young player. He's already got a Finals MVP under his belt. Um, I think you take his defensive prowess and his, his lack of mistake-making, I mm-hmm. think, is, is one thing that— he's, Yeah, he's very focused— and, you know, before Steph really took off with the MVP last year, it was kind of the first couple months of the season, everyone was talking about Steph Curry and Kawhi Leonard. Steph Curry and Kawhi Leonard. Leonard is the kind of guy that I think he's going to have a very stable season. And I don't know if he's a dark horse pick because he has cemented himself as a top 15 player, possibly top 10. But, um, yeah, that's my pick for the MVP. That's fair enough. I feel like, yeah, if I were to pick another, he'd definitely be up there as well. are listening to the first episode of the mostly nba podcast uh we're back for this final segment here um it is called the mostly nba podcast so we're going to stray a little bit from the nba um we're going to talk a little bit uh controversy in college football and then uh throw out a little bit to the mlb playoffs. so i'm gonna leave it with cam right now cam what's going on in college football so last weekend we had hurricane matthew come up the coast of florida it was category three which caused the gator and lsu game to be canceled it is not sh- not canceled, postponed, as far as we know. 
So the controversy is whether we play this game, which is always a big matchup, LSU-UF. If it doesn't get played, it would be the first time in SEC history that a matchup has been canceled between two SEC teams. So as far as we know, the game is going to be rescheduled, at least rumors from the SEC. Greg Sinke. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right, cool. Um, and then we have the LSU athletic director, Joe Aleva. He's coming out and saying, oh, this uh, – we are not going to be – this game's canceled. We are not playing the Gators this year. So it's kind of a strange situation. Uh, I'm not sure about you guys. What do you think if the game's going to be played or not? Yeah, I don't – this is just so difficult. I mean, you see different people throwing out, you know, different strategies, um, trying to fit the game in this weekend or maybe trying to buy out uh, the two teams, uh, smaller schools, you know, Presbyterian for Florida – and um, LSU buying out their small school as well, and you know possibly having those two teams play each other while LSU and Florida play each other. There's just so it's like a math formula. They're trying to figure out you know this last minute resort where they can fit this game into, and um, I, it's all it has to be played. You, I mean, it's just for the integrity of the SEC, it definitely has to be played. My best bet at this moment would be that it would probably, you know, they'd have to push back the SEC championship game. But then again, I don't know if. Can you push back the SEC championship game, though? You know, it's just, it's so much factors that play into this. And, guys, I don't know how they're going to figure it out. That's why these guys are paid the big bucks to hopefully figure this stuff out. But I'm, I'm going to leave it up to them. Yeah, exactly. And and I think you said it there, big bucks is, is really what this is all about. Um, it's it's such a storied matchup and rivalry in, within the SEC. And the fact that the possibility of it not being played definitely has a lot of people on edge. Um, especially a lot of people here in Gainesville, really upset that the game won't even be played here, um, if it will be played at all. And I'm sure people in Baton Rouge feel the same way. Um, it, it really just is a game of, of, of big money, and whether or not uh, either team is willing to either forego uh, some cash or or be willing to expend uh, a bit more in, in, in order to... Uh, meet the other uh, on a on a playing field. It is really just a shame that it uh, had to occur. Obviously, Hurricane Matthew was was pretty devastating, but it, it, it didn't quite have the impact we thought it would here in Gainesville. So people have been hurling some, oh, you didn't have to postpone it. Oh, you didn't have to uh, uh, call it off. Um, honestly, I, I think that's a load of malarkey. Um, I think all, all in the name of safety, um, it, safety definitely should come first, especially in the case of a category three storm, anything category three and above. I don't want to be outside whatsoever. Yeah. I've been in Florida my whole life. I don't want to mess with the storm like that if it's coming my way. So, um, the accusations being thrown at Florida, um, for calling the game off for trying to get a better, uh, seed in the sec playoffs, uh, uh, not true whatsoever. That's, I don't like it. That's a great point because, uh, you know, you can cancel the game or po- postpone it on a Thursday. It takes days to prepare for a football game, especially when you have an attendance of over 90,000. And, you know, these people just don't come and show up like the game of the day game. or You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it, it takes a lot of preparation. You're talking about hundreds, possibly I don't know, I don't want to say thousands, but a couple hundred people as far as security, policemen, uh, those who work on concessions and uh, all that. But, uh, yeah, I I don't understand why people are giving us smack. We're obviously not afraid of LSU. 
Clay Travis, feel free to if, chime in to our podcast, by the way, too. If he wants to come in, we'd uh, love to sit down with Clay Travis. Add him. Let's add him. Add him right now. I understand the criticism. I understand pretty much everything everybody's saying on both sides. I don't really take a side on this. I see, you know, the storm, you know, kind of puts football down a notch. You know, a lot of these players have families on the coast that they were thinking about. And like Ham was saying, there's a lot of preparation that goes into these games, a lot of travel. So I understand why they didn't want to play the game in Gainesville. But I also understand why the UF Athletic Department did not want to just hop on LSU's generous offer of buses, which, you know, LSU, you know, offered all these buses, lodging, even the team planes. And, you know, they're kind of offended that we didn't take it and play the game there. Well, that's because the University of Florida and the city of Gainesville would be losing so much money for that game. I mean, Mm -hmm. you talk about you know, the games that they might buy out on November 19th to try to play this game. With just the smaller schools, they were saying the SEC um, having to buy out LSU's game would be $4 million. And that's a small that's a small game. That's, that's not a, a two-powerhouse SEC kind of matchup. Um, so there's a lot of money that goes into this for the cities and for the universities. And mm-hmm. I'm sure UF didn't want to give up um, all that money coming into Gainesville. I mean, that's a huge football weekend. Mm-hmm. As that's, we see. Yeah. yeah, so that's an absolutely a fair point. Game day in any SEC town is an economic juggernaut. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, I, I see both sides. I, I see, um, you know, the argument about the players' families. I see the argument about LSU not wanting to lose a home game. But I, I agree with Matt on this. I think the best solution is honestly just push the SEC championship back. I mean, there are no games after that until um, bowl season starts, you know, what, at the end of December? So I don't think there's a big... Um, difference in moving the game back to what like the 10th and playing the game on the third that way you're not having to buy out any schools um nobody's missing a home game like lsu isn't losing a home game um it's not it's honestly not that big a deal and i the way it's shaping up right now lsu and florida might have stakes in their divisions at that point and they're going to want to play that game the sec certainly wants them to play that game both schools want to play the game but on their own terms um i think you got to compromise you got to push the sec championship back play the game the first weekend of December and it'll honestly if they do that it will be exciting um for the fans as well um because a lot's going to be riding on that game you know who knows by the time this podcast is edited this game will be over the Tennessee uh Alabama game but there's a lot riding in the east on that because if Tennessee loses that and Florida keeps winning all of a sudden Florida is in the driver's seat in the east so a lot would come down if this game were to be played at the end of the season possibly for both of these schools depending on how Alabama fares in the west so I think it's an interesting situation, but I think pushing that game back is definitely um, the move. All right, so um, coming out of college football a little bit and into October baseball, very excited this October as a Cleveland fan. Uh, the Cleveland Indians just made the ALCS. They'll be taking on the Toronto Blue Jays, um, which is kind of funny because in basketball, the conference finals was Cleveland and Toronto as well. And then in the NL, um, at the time of this podcast recording, the Cubs just – had a stunning comeback. Uh, Amazing comeback. To beat the Giants and move into the NLCS. And they will take on the winner of Game 5 of the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Washington Nationals. Um, I think whatever team comes out of that series is just a sitting duck. The Cubs, I think, are just going to roll to the World Series. I feel bad for the Dodgers because I, I do think the Dodgers are going to win that, um, even though it's in Washington. Um, I think it'll probably be funny when... After we wrap this up and they play the game tomorrow, Washington will probably win now that I said that. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think the Cubs have it in the NL. AL, it's really a toss-up. As an Indians fan, I don't really want to – I don't want to say the Blue Jays are going to win, and I also don't want to say the Indians are going to (laughs) win. So I think it's going to be a tough series. It's going to come down to pitching. Um, So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But it's definitely an exciting time. 
October baseball, you know, getting into November for World Series, it's always very exciting. So um, if anybody has anything to chime in on that, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I'll say something now. Just uh, I don't have a lot to say. I'm not I'm not a huge baseball fan, but as an outside observer, um, all the um, stuff going on, all the theatrics with um, obviously the Cubs' historic uh, run at the championship here, uh, it's really just awesome viewing. Uh, as like I said, from an outsider perspective. Also, I want to point out uh, the San Francisco Giants blew a three-one lead in that game to the. Uh, to the Cubs. That sounds familiar. That sounds very familiar from another uh, Bay Area team. Very suspicious. Um, Something's going on in the Bay Area. Something I'll is happening. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's just uh, as a fan of sport and competition, I love what's going on. Uh, it's really fun to watch um, all this baseball stuff. All these baseball shenanigans. <laughs> um, I got to say, um, I, I do hope the Cubs win it. Because uh, I do, I do know the president's there. Yeah, I know Michael's not gonna like that, uh, but I know the president's there. Obviously, it's a it's a storied curse behind the Cubs, and I just want to be alive uh, <laughs> when when it is broken. I I want back to the future to 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 make a, a little showing. I just want to point out. Here. I just want to point out that the two teams um, in the four major sports in the U.S. that have the longest championship droughts are the Cubs at 108 years. And the Indians at 68 years, so there's another curse on the line here. Just pointing that out. But yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Obviously, the Cubs, the Cubs have, I think, the most depressing um, curse. You know, you look back to 03 with the Marlins mm-hmm. um, beating them in that series. After I believe the Cubs did the Cubs not blow a three-one in that series? Yes, they were up three-one. Yeah, not only Goodness. that, they were up three uh, nothing at the bottom of the eighth. No, top of the eighth. Yeah, against the Marlins, six. and the, and that's when uh, and that's when the so Bartman play yeah, happened. Yeah, Steve Bartman, the infamous um, Bartman play. Yeah, you know the the Indians in 07 up three one to the Red Sox ended up losing that. Red Sox go on to win the World Series. That was tough then. Um, but yeah, I think the Cubs, those fans have been waiting the longest. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's definitely a historic streak and something to, fun to watch. Uh, every game at Wrigley, those fans are going nuts. Yeah. All right, and to uh, finish up the show, um, I'm going to hand it over to my partner, Matt LeVay, here. Matt, what are some things to watch um, getting back to the NBA here as the season starts in these next few weeks? Yeah, guys, so uh, as always, I mean, it's another big opening night uh, for the NBA, Tuesday, October 25th. It's going to start out with uh, (laughs) Mike's team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, hosting the infamous New York Knicks, baby, so we'll get to see them right off the bat uh, in a matchup against the Cavaliers. That's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the ring ceremony is going to happen. They're going to unveil the new banner. We'll see how that looks in uh, the queue. And uh, just another matchup that night, too. A really, really uh, good matchup is going to be the San Antonio Spurs are traveling out to Golden State uh, to face the Warriors. KD's debut. Uh, that's going to be fun to watch. Fun to see how that team drills. And um, it's going to be fun to see as well how just the Spurs respond to that, too. That's just going to be a, a really revealing matchup uh, to start out. And we'll see um, where it takes them from there. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to the first ever Mostly NBA podcast, episode one. For Cam, Matt, and Jacob, I'm Michael Higgins. We'll see you next time.